It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Wyoming Representative Liz Cheney is facing a tough GOP primary, that's putting it mildly, against a candidate backed by former President Trump. This primary occurs next month. This Republican, Liz Cheney, however, is receiving campaign contributions from what might be regarded as an unlikely source, Democratic donors, even with ideological differences, sometimes profound ones. Donors like LinkedIn co-founder Reid Hoffman are backing Cheney. For more on this, let us bring in political strategist Dimitri Melhorn. He is co-founder of Investing in U.S., could also be read as Investing Us. He'll tell me which. And he is an advisor to Hoffman. So, Dimitri, in an article in The New York Times last week, you said Cheney is, quote, the most important politician in America right now. Are you an outlier among Democratic advisors slash donors in that camp? I don't know if I'm an outlier major. I'd say that um, the donors who are longstanding Democratic donors maybe uh, view Cheney as someone who's an enemy, but uh, Democratic donors who got very active because of the specific threat uh, that occurred over the last few years uh, they back Cheney, I think, overwhelmingly. And they see in her not an ideological comrade, of course, but someone who's standing up for something larger, right? And in that sense, that largeness of the issue of the fate of American democracy supersedes all sorts of well-known and entrenched ideological differences, true? That's right. If you imagine that there's someone who refuses to peacefully concede power, and that's what we're talking about, the refusal to peacefully concede power, either in 2020 or, frankly, in 2024 or the future. If you don't stand up for that, then everything else you care about goes away. And Liz Cheney agrees with us on that. She believes that that is the most important thing, to ensure that rule of law-based elections have outcomes that are peacefully respected. Because otherwise, the people in charge get to decide how long they stay in charge, and we know they'll pick things we don't like. All right, Sandy Rios with you. I wanted you to see how this is playing out because it's surprising me. I'm hearing from different quarters, people I don't usually talk to, about how this uh, the hearings are playing out. Liz Cheney is, of course, leading those. Uh, she gets the national spotlight because she's a Republican uh, coming after President Trump with a vengeance. Now, in her home state, she's behind 20 points uh, to Harriet Hagerman, who's challenging her. How It's something like 20 points. It's double digits. Um, but here's the deal. It's a jungle primary so that Democrats can actually vote uh, in this primary, and they can come in and, and vote for Liz Cheney. She's now running ads talking about the election and how her opponents are claiming the election was fraudulent, and that's how she's hoping to win. And you can see now the Democrats are getting excited about Liz Cheney. So uh, I don't think we should count her out. I think she's done, uh, she is doing tremendous damage to this country. And let me just say that Attorney General Merrick Garland appeared on uh, a television on CBS, I think it was, just on Tuesday, uh, indicating that he is considering, at least willing to consider, 
prosecuting President Trump for his actions on January the 6th. He's also declared that there's a big investigation going on from Justice now, and they're sort of using the the inquiry, the Soviet-style panel, one-sided, carefully crafted, uh, propagandistic uh, tr- plat- Soviet platform that they're coming after the president and Trump supporters, where they're trying to take down Clarence Thomas. I, you know, this this is the other thing I, I have to tell you. You know, Liz Cheney is someone that I always liked. I uh, way back I was such a, a fan of hers. I can't tell you, and I think I told you she came to see some CWA events with her mother. Um, and I, ironically, Jenny Thomas was a fan of Liz Cheney's too. We have actually defended her together uh, against people who were, you know, not so crazy about some of the things she was doing. This is some time ago. And so it's just ironic to see her turn into what she's turned into. It's really strange. It ha- takes an adjustment. And I have to tell you, uh, just a principle, uh, no matter if it's your friends or your family, if they go off the rails and start speaking things that are untrue or taking positions that aren't true, you cannot just, it seems to me there's a tendency to excuse lies and disinformation, I hate to use disinformation, lies, harm, terrible positions on issues, public statements that are false uh, when it's someone that's close to you. So you, people often tend to, like if they're, if it's their gay son, I was against homosexuality. I thought it was, you know, a sin based on scripture. But now that my son is gay, I'm reconsidering. You cannot do that. And I'm just uh, admonishing all of you to hold fast to truth, no matter who in your life is waffling all around you. You have to hold fast to truth and not change your position. God will not smile at those of us who bend and uh, break because of relationships. So don't do that. And that includes politicians that, you know, held your children or you've known for years and you've supported, but now you see that they're not doing what's right. But you have this relationship, you see, and so you have to remain loyal to them. No, you don't. You can still love them. You don't have to slash and burn their reputation, but you can speak the truth. In fact, you not only can, you must. All right, so on Attorney General uh, Garland, he's now saying, you know, he's not afraid he's going to, you know, he's not afraid to go after President Trump, and so no doubt he probably will. Uh, I want to give you some information that's just coming out on Cassidy Hutchinson. She's the uh, Mark Mark Meadows uh, staffer who was one of the the stars at the J6 hearings, Uh, and now we're learning uh, that um, Melly Hemingway is responsible for doing a lot of digging on this. And we found out that Cassidy is just a complete worse, a worse liar than we ever thought. Um, you know, she's the one who said that President Trump. Uh, she heard that President Trump tried to take over the car that was driving him back to the to the White House after the J six rally, and he tried to grab the wheel. She's the one that said that the Secret Service agents uh, who were in the car said that's ab- absolutely not true. They would testify under oath, but the J six committee never called them. Uh, so you know, that's the kind of hearing it is. You see. And so um, she also claimed that Rudy Giuliani was uh, met with the, the Department of Justice's Jeff Clark, and that's not even true. They've never met. They've never communicated. And her own boss, Mark Meadows, denied that he sought a pardon, uh, which is what she testified to. But uh, now, look, you could say, well, they're lying. Cassidy's telling the truth. But let's do some of Cassidy's own words here as quickly as I can. Molly Hemingway with Tristan Justice reported in The Federalist they, some of the um, tweets that uh, an email that Cassidy had issued. This is one of them. She said, um, in regard to President Trump, she always spoke favorably of him. She said, I would rather shoot myself dead into the Potomac than see Marine One flying around this city without 45 again. 
45 is President Trump. And that was nearly three months after the Capitol riot. In November of 21, uh, she was among the first former White House staffers to be subpoenaed by the Select Committee. And in the weeks and months following, Hutchison continued to disparage the politicized committee in private, repeatedly joked about the same riot she now says leaves her with emotional scars today. Six days after she was issued a subpoena, Hutchison called the January 6th panel a phony committee. Around the same time, she told a former colleague her testimony would have nothing to author. Um, So after being subpoenaed, no, of being subpoenaed on November, Hutchison wrote, we were blanking by, we were blanked by Benny Thompson. And that's the chairman of the committee. She joked that she, he would be sending her to jail and hoped that another friend would come and visit her. Hutchison also used Stop the Steal in her messages. And she was in the U.S. Capitol on January 5th to see our people, she wrote. What's more, she joked with a friend about having an insurrection at Par Chelsea, which is a D.C. apartment building, on January the 6th. There was also a message in which she said she'd use a picture of President Trump's rally. She had used a picture of President Trump's rally outside the White House on January 6th as her Zoom background when she was deposed by the committee. There's more to this, but I better stop because I have other things to tell you. But um, it turns out what we know now is that she changed attorneys. The attorney that was going to uh, represent her, I think, was, I don't know who it was, was going to uh, cost her some money. And so Barbara Comstock, who hates Trump, I know Barbara. She's a congresswoman from Virginia. She's terrible. (laughs) But she didn't used to be terrible. But she's like Cheney. She's gone off the rails. She's like, it's like a rage. It's like a blinding rage they have for President Trump that I don't understand. But Barbara Comstock went off the rails earlier on Islam and Sharia. So I'll just tell you that. But she persuaded, according to this, Cassidy, to change attorneys. And it's a well-positioned off, off, um, offer who, uh, lawyer who offered to represent her pro bono, who had a different point of view. And suddenly Cassidy uh, completely reversed, talked about how traumatic January 6th was for her, how terrible how she couldn't bear it, how President Trump was responsible, and all the rest of it. So that's how credible she is. Uh, also, I, I just, uh, I'll tell you this story by tell you, telling you this. There is a great uh, documentary by the Epoch Times called The Real Story of January 6th, and I would urge you to watch it and share it with your friends. I had a very disturbing conversation with my sister last night, which I'll get into with our next guest, I think. I'll just tease you with that, but it just helped me re- see how impactful this has been in a horrible way on people who really don't know what's happening. But it's the real story of January 6th, if you can share it with your friends and family, because they need to know the truth. How else are they going to hear it? Um, also, now, we've got, uh, we've got President Pence, uh, President, Vice President Pence, and President Trump, and these dueling speeches. And I was going to play a couple of clips from them, but I'm, I'm not going to do that right now because I'm running out of time. I'd rather tell you these things um, you know, Vice President Pence uh, is obviously wanting to run for president. He is obviously, uh, I can tell you, been undermining President Trump for a long time. I just came across this. Um, when President, uh, when Vice President Pence was chosen by Donald Trump, one of the first things that told me that this was a disaster was that President, Vice President Pence chose Mark Short to be his uh, chief of staff. Um, or chief advisor, I don't know what his title was exactly, but yeah, chief of staff. Mark Short hates Donald Trump. He hated Donald Trump before that. We all knew that. And yet Vice President Pence chose Mark Short to come and be his chief of staff. 
And I want to read this little piece that came out, um, Revolver. Uh, this was some time ago. Peter Navarro uh, broke the news that incompetent Mark Short, former chief of staff to Vice President Mike Pence, tried to wipe out President Donald Trump in 2016 with Koch funding. You do realize that the Koch brothers, who used to be strong conservatives, flipped themselves, became pro-gay marriage, hated Trump, actually opened up a think tank in Washington with George Soros. That's the truth about the Koch brothers. Mark Short says Navarro is a tool of the Koch brothers, the biggest anti-MAGA movement in the entire Republican Party. Uh, As Trump skyrocketed in the polls, Navarro said Short orchestrated a covert plan, bankrolled by the Koch brothers, to replace the insurgent candidate with amnesty-loving Marco Rubio on Super Tuesday of 2016. And that preceded what, it seems to me, later became the plan, now this is me speculating, that uh, President, uh, Vice President Pence would be the person. I felt all along, I can't prove this, but I felt all along that Mike Pence was not a genuine person. He's not the man I used to know. Uh, he was stiff and odd, and his uh, his eyes, there was no transparency in his eyes, uh, and he became boastful. I remember a couple of comments he made that just turned my ears back, and I thought, someone's whispering in his ear, making him ambitious. And now we know from several sources that's exactly what was happening on, on the COVID deal. Remember that uh, Deborah Burke said in her book that President Pence told her to just go ahead and ignore, you know, like Scott, um, Scott, uh, Atlas, Dr. Scott Atlas, who was also on the committee, and calling out the falseness of the advice, the lies of the advice of these so-called experts, including Fauci and Burks. And so something's not right here. Something's terribly wrong, and I just want you to be aware of this. Now, um, so President so President Trump spoke at, um, oh, I get it. I forgot what group, group it was right offhand. Vice President spoke for Young America. Turning Point USA is where, yeah, that was one of them. He also gave one in Washington on Tuesday that was different. But um, Vice President Pence was supposed to speak at, speak at Heritage, but he, he canceled, which is interesting. I don't know what that's all about, but he did. Um, so the DOJ is investigating President Trump. And, of course, you know that the purpose of this uh, a Stalinistic uh, tribunal is to destroy President Trump because they're scared to death he's going to run again. And they're scared to death he will win. And I can tell you their their poison is spreading far and wide. The deception, the betrayals are just mind-boggling, mind-boggling. All right, we're going to change the subject when we come back. Uh, Dr. Everett Piper, former president of uh, Oklahoma Wesleyan University, will be joining us. He's a great thinker, and I'm anxious to hear what he thinks about all of this. If you are 65 or older, you know this. It's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses, watching your hard-earned dollars just flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare has a new option called MediShare 65+. Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills And it really is a community. People encourage and pray for each other. And MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B that fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. It's great for peace of mind. You can use your Medicare-approved doctor and get prescription savings, dental and vision savings. Very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're great to talk to on the phone. Here's the number. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. This is Pause to Pray. 
a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Gentry Smith, Assistant Secretary of State for Diplomatic Security. His office provides a safe and secure environment for the conduct of U.S. foreign policy throughout the world. Psalm 4.8 reminds us of God's blessings of safety and security. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Gentry Smith as he helps ensure safety in the administration of foreign policy. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country. And we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next. Liberty University's K-12 Online Academy is the best of a homeschool, private school, and Bible-based education all rolled into one. With LUOA, you can take charge of your child's learning environment and create a structured yet flexible schedule that works for your family. Our qualified teachers are easily accessible for guidance and support along the way. And with new classes starting every Monday, it's never too late to make the switch to LUOA. To learn more, text LUOA to 88741. That's LUOA to 88741. From Memphis, Tennessee comes word of a heinous crime. A 15-year-old boy with a long criminal record accused of murdering a Methodist minister. She was carjacked, shot in front of her home. Now, there's a raging debate over whether to charge the attacker as a juvenile or an adult. Crime is off the charts across the nation these days. One of the reasons why is because of George Soros and the Democrats. Soros has all but declared war on the justice system, funding district attorneys who defend criminals instead of victims. Now, the Democrat running for district attorney in Memphis wants to actually raise the age of juvenile crimes to 25. In other words, if you murder someone at the age of 14, you could be out on the streets, your record cleared by the time you turn 18. So here's my take. If you're old enough to commit grown-up crimes, you're old enough to do grown-up time. Be sure to read my latest book, Culture Jihad, How to Stop the Left from Killing a Nation. It's available at ToddSterns.com. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. We're making some progress. We are moving forward, but we're not making enough progress and we're not moving forward fast enough. I mean, people are scared. Partly because of what's happening with Ukraine, partly the the gas situation in Europe particularly, uh, the inflation that we've all suffered. But on the other hand, the steps we need to take to deal with the climate crisis, most of them are in fact anti-inflationary. They will lower the prices of energy and they will create jobs as well as provide better health and security for countries. So hopefully we can turn this around and accelerate what we promised to do in Glasgow. <laughs> that was the climate czar, John Kerry. And of course, he's, uh, what, if in case it wasn't clear, he's uh, saying to us that if we would just spend more money to fight climate change, which, by the way, is so urgent, the planet is, uh, you know, we're going to destroy the planet by driving SUVs and letting our animals, you know, pass gas and other, you fill in the blanks, lots of other things. We're going to have complete destruction. And we need to spend more money to stop this Uh, And if we do that, it will bring down inflation. That's what he's telling us. What a fool he continues to be. 
Um, I want to talk about this a little bit with my next guest because he's just written a really interesting article uh, in the Washington uh, Times called The Church of Gaia, Elevating the Planet Over People. Dr. Everett Piper is, by the way, the former president of Oklahoma Wesleyan. He was there for 17 years. He's the author, though, of some best-selling books that you would love. One of them is Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth. Um, And he has a brand new one called Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. Uh, Let me just say that he is very active. You know, I've interviewed uh, Everett before, and he's just so good on all the issues of the day, just solid biblically, uh, powerful as the president of a university, kind of leading the way and making sure that uh, universities didn't go uh, go woke, at least Wesley, and didn't under his leadership. And I'm happy to have him join me this morning. Good morning, Everett. Thanks for joining us. Oh, Sandy, thank you for having me on. I'm honored. Yeah, well, my, the pleasure is mine. Um, I'm, you know what? I think for one thing, I just have to say before I we talk about your the the planet, <laughs> you know, disintegrating according to the alarmists. Um, I really appreciate your intellect, Dr. Piper. I feel like this is a huge void in the Christian community. And I don't all have all Christian guests, and I don't. I'm used to being on secular uh, outlets, but the, as a believer, as a Christian, I believe that you know intellectual sharpness and reading and scholarship is so important. And I think that's a huge void and makes us uh, less respected when we try to talk to our peers you know, like in D.C. and around the world. I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Well, uh, again, thank you for the compliment. I, I'm not too sure I deserve uh, that high praise in terms of my intellect, but I would say this. Um, what we see today is this division over facts and feelings and over the emotional versus the rational. And we see the left, the progressives, actually elevating emotion and opinion over the rational facts of life. And I agree with you. We need to engage in the public square and remind people that a woman is real. She's not a fabrication. She's not a fantasy. That children, their innocence should be protected. That's a fact, and that's not an opinion. And when we talk about the climate or the environment, we need to deal with reality and not somebody's political agenda and power play. The biblical worldview brings facts back the table. We're the ones who are defending science and rationality, whereas it's ironic today that those pro-science folks are actually denying the data before our very eyes and trying to manipulate the public opinion just because they want to have more power. So the biblical worldview once again wins if we have the courage and the spine to step into the market square of ideas and defend rationality and defend empirical data and defend the biological facts the ontological reality of our daily existence. Oh, totally. You know, I agree with you. And I think the I, sh- I came across as a criticism, but I think what I'd like to do is turn that into an encouragement to any pastors or Christian leaders that might be listening uh, to uh, sharpen your intellectual minds. You know, read more. Be prepared. Uh, your people are drowning in this culture. They are dying. Their families are disintegrating. Their children are being destroyed and their own minds. They don't know what to believe, and they need you uh, to know more about what's happening. It's, I think I miss very much, Dr. Um, Piper, I miss very much the merger of um, God's Word and truth and the headlines, uh, because uh, that's what I do for a living. I know that's my natural bent, but I can't imagine talking about uh, truth without applying it to what's happening in the world. And that's what I find in a lot of pulpits these days. Uh, so 
Anyway, rather than us getting yeah, rather than us getting stuck on that, I'd like to just pass by you a few of the issues. You actually, in your response to me, mentioned a couple of them. But let's first of all talk about the whole notion that uh, John Kerry just uh, said he's you know the big um, he, he leads the big push for this climate alarm agenda, and we know that President Biden is being urged to call a national emergency over climate. And I just want to know what your thoughts are about that uh, from your perspective. Well, first of all, Kerry's comments are, are are disingenuous, or they're ignorant, or they're intentionally intentionally deceptive. I, I don't know which. I mean, I, I could guess, maybe all of the above. But the point is, let's just go with his premise that we just need to spend more money, and that will actually help the economy rather than hurt the economy. But where's the money coming from? Uh, you can't print endless amounts of money, which is what we're doing right now. Essentially, we've t- changed the United States dollar into monopoly money, worthless paper that we just keep printing and throwing at the crazy things, things that are not corroborated by the data. I mean, we threw billions and billions of dollars at COVID for programs that have no, uh, no empirical basis for being effective. Okay, so let's just look at the data. Let's be pro-science. Let's be pro-empirical. Let's look at reality. When you print a boatload of money, you're not going to help the economy. You shouldn't be surprised that you have inflation because you printed too much worthless monopoly money and pumped it into the economy. When we see 9% inflation, do you think there's a correlation between the amount of money that we're printing and wasting and spending and throwing at these problems versus the reality of what a real economy should be based on? So that's the lie. That's the first lie or the first premise that I would refute in terms of his argument. The second one is, what is the data that shows that the Earth is dying? I'd like to see some empirical data. You know, David Legates at the University of New Hampshire was on my university a few years ago, where we had him come in and present interesting data. He put up sunspot activity as a correlation to the Earth's temperature. And you know what? There's almost a direct correlation. The two graphs match identically. So is the Weather changing? Yes, it always has and every and always will. Is there anthropomorphic uh, cause of global warming, climate change? Well, not so much when you look at the real data because sunspot activity, the bursts and flares, which are cyclical on the sun, is a direct correlation to the Earth's temperature. So if you ignore that and start throwing boatloads of money like Kerry is suggesting at a problem that may not be accurately defined, you're going to have problems. And I could go on and on and on, as you know, I did in my article, where I actually argue that we've created a religion out of this particular fabrication and fantasy, and we are now being forced to bow at this altar of Gaia, Mother Earth, Paramater, that the, 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 the Greek god of Gaia is now the god of the United States versus the god uh, of the Bible being the one that we honor as the premise for our constitutional freedoms. You know, I view this as the, it's all the things you just said, plus what an affront to God. I I think, you know, I I can liken it, Dr. Dr. Piper, I likened it to those old movies we used to see where Godzilla was, you know, clunking, pounding, you know, bump. Boom, through the streets of New York, you know, up above the skyscrapers, and the, the firemen bring out their fire trucks and shoot their water at him, and the armies bring in their tanks and they shoot, and it doesn't have any effect. That's really what I see when I think about them actually thinking that we humans 
could affect the weather, that we could cause weather. We could make it worse, we could make it better. It really is just so laughable, but it's also so serious because it is such a, um, such a godless humanistic viewpoint that they're pushing us into. Yes. And, and look at the consequences. You know, ideas always have consequences. So let's look at what's happening as the result of implementing Biden and Kerry's agenda, this uh, chicken little, the sky is falling agenda that they're imposing on the entire world. Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka has boasted of being the first country in the world to go fully organic farming. Well, what has happened as a result? 54% inflation. 54% inflation. 80% of the farmers' fields are lying fallow. They are now importing grain, which and just a, a year or two ago, they used to export grain. People are starving. They're being put out of work because these know-it-alls, these smart folks that are ignoring the data, creating a crisis that allows them to gain more power, are imposing their will in an arrogant way upon those stupid rubes and that basket of deplorable folks known as farmers who are giving us food to eat. And as a result, we don't have food, we don't have fish, we don't have enough fuel to plow the fields and put diesel fuel in the boats to go fishing, and they can't even get fertilizer because fertilizer has been made illegal in Sri Lanka, and the culture and the country has collapsed. Mm. Yeah, they're not the only place either. And, of course, the farmers of Holland are rising up. They're not starving yet, but they're having the same problem in Holland, Germany, the same thing. Uh, let me just say that your article, The Church of Gaia, Elevating the Planet Over People, we will put that on our Getter page, and we commend it to all of you to read and share with people when you're talking about this issue. I want to change the subject for a second because my favorite Benjamin Franklin lookalike, who is the assistant at uh, HHS's Rachel Levin, it's a guy, uh, and she had something really important to say just, I believe it was last week, let's listen, clip 13. So we really want to, 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 to base our treatment and, uh, and to uh, affirm and to uh, support and empower these youth, not to limit their participation in activities and sports, and even uh, uh, limit their ability to get gender affirmation treatment in their state. Yeah, so that's the big plan of the transgender Rachel Levin, and she went on to say that there's no there's no dispute. This is settled. I mean, everybody knows that you know, uh, giving uh, hormones, hormone blockers to children, and then removing their sexual organs, and uh, you know, giving them names that don't comport with their birth. That's all. That's fine. All of these people are finding this out now. It uh, gets really serious because just yesterday, no Monday. The HHS passed a rule that would force insurers to pay for children's sex changes. Let me tell you how bad it is. Roger Severino, who was with the Trump administration, good friend, uh, says this. This rule will mandate that insurance companies cover the full menu of gender identity interventions such as mastectomies, hysterectomies, breast augmentation, hair removal, and a lifetime of cross-sex hormones, including for minor Children. It will also force doctors to perform cross-sex surgeries and to administer puberty, puberty blockers to children if they believe such interventions can never be beneficial. Uh, just, Dr. Piper, I'd just like to have your comments on that. Okay, let me, I'll ask a rhetorical question. All right, what could be more misogynistic than to deny that a woman is real? What could be more anti-woman than to tell a woman, a real female, a biological fact, a female, that she doesn't exist, that a dysphoric, delusional 
male who wants to play dress up and make believe can steal her shower, steal her bathroom, steal her sport, steal her scholarship, steal her dignity and her very identity by simply raising his hand on any given day and commit the ultimate in cultural appropriation and steal everything that is a woman's right to have. This is black-facing females. That's exactly what it is. Huh, it's as bad and as, as grotesque as it is to dress up in blackface and mimic and mock an African-American, a person of color. This is as grotesque to dress up like a female in exaggerated makeup and garb and pretend to be something you're not. So anybody that wants to argue against that and say, well, wait a second, I believe in feminism. How could you be a feminist if you don't believe in the female, if you don't support the feminine? That's my rhetorical question to this lunacy, this upside-down world of actually castrating boys and mutilating women, forcing doctors to remove functioning organs, healthy organs, in the name of equality and affirmation. Good is evil and evil is good. Bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. Woe unto them who reverse definition. We're told that by the prophet Isaiah. And we better take that warning to heart. You know, it's interesting, too, that, as is always the case, when it comes to these twists of God's truth or perversions of God's truth, the people that advocate actually cooperate in their own destruction. And I'll give you an example of this. This is a montage of Governor uh, Whitmer from Michigan, Cory Bush in Congress, and uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Let's just listen to how they comment, what they say, their language in passing or in making statements. Clip four. I have the constitutional ability to bring a lawsuit to protect constitutional rights of people of Michigan. So I brought a lawsuit on behalf of all the menstruating people in Michigan, 2.2 million. I am committed to doing the absolute most to protect black mothers, to protect black babies, to pro protect black birthing people. None of this is about supporting life. What this is about is controlling women's bodies. This is about making sure that someone like me as a woman or any menstruating person in this country cannot make decisions over their own body. Isn't it interesting how women, and even in, in uh, men participating in women's sports, how the women of the left don't understand how much damage they're doing to, to their own gender? You know, it, it, just, it just seems ironic to me. They, they <laughs> menstruating person, okay, <laughs> and birthing people. What they just did is they insulted the female, a woman, to the extent that they've now defined you by your bodily functions. That's all you are. You're a bodily function. And that's the way they're going to define a woman now, a menstruating person. How insulting. You're the Imago Dei. You're the image of God. You're not the Imago Dog. You're not the image of an animal. You're not just the sum total of your gut, your libido, and your your drives and your passions. That's the beauty of the biblical worldview. We elevate the human being to the ultimate complement of being made in the image of God. We do not insult each other by suggesting that we're defined by our desires. And if you're a Christian, if you believe in the Bible, you recognize that our identity is not in our inclinations or our libido. Our identity is in our Lord. If you are in Christ, you're a new creation. You're transformed. You're not transgendered. 
You must be born again. You're not just born that way. The beauty of the biblical worldview is the complement that it gives to the human being. And we see that the antithesis of the biblical worldview is the degradation of the very definition of what it means to be a man or a woman. Well, I, I think that's—how that, can I find the words? It's so deep, like just as in the whole notion that the weather can be changed by us, which is such hubris, how offensive, how putrid to our Creator for us to claim anything like that. And then the second thing on this is that this is a strike against the very creation. In the beginning, God created. Male and female created he them. It's, uh, the differences were created for purpose. The, the entire civilization was built on the differences in the establishment of families. This is really, it's just so satanic. It does just seem like, uh, this, it really and truly, if we talk about dark forces and Satan, it's like he's looking for every way that he can deconstruct the very deepest foundational truths that God laid at the beginning. Um, uh, okay, I have another one to pass by you. Uh, this, this will, you'll love this one. This was from the New York Times just a few days ago, which I haven't gotten around to mentioning to people, but here it is. It's um, from the New York Times. It's a tweet. Cannibalism has a time and place. Some recent books, films, and shows suggest that that time is now. Can you stomach it? That was an article in, uh, I didn't read it. It's called A Taste for Cannibalism? Uh, question mark. Uh, your thoughts about that? <laughs> Uh, this is how far will we go when we get the definitions wrong? I mean, Richard Weaver wrote a seminal work in 1948, if my memory is correct, and it was titled Ideas Have Consequences. And I've said over and over again that you'd hardly even need to crack the book open to understand his point. Read the title Ideas Have Consequences. What's his point? Good ideas, good culture, good community, good church, good country, good kids, goodness. Bad ideas, you get the opposite. Bad culture, bad church, bad country, bad kids, bad community. So garbage in, garbage out. We've been consuming ideological carcinogens for decades. And now we have cancer of heart, mind, and soul to the point where we're actually saying that women aren't real, that a child's innocence can be legally attacked, that we're going to we're going to force insurance agencies to attack a child's innocence by butchering a minor and taking his or her sex organs away from them for life. And we're going to call that a moral good. We're going to put that under the banner of social justice. Talk about calling evil good and good evil, bittersweet and sweet bitter. When, when you get the first things wrong, Chuck Polson told, this, told us this, as well as C.S. Lewis and others, when you get the first things wrong, Everything else is going to be wrong thereafter. And when we define the human being as nothing but the product of the primordial ooze, no different than a dog, a pig, a cat, or a cow, when we are not anything different, when we are the Imago Dei, excuse me, when we are the Imago Dog, the image of an animal, rather than the Imago Dei, the image of God, then you're going to have these stupid conversations like, well, maybe cannibalism is the way to feed Stup people. Stupid, but dangerous dangerous. You can make jokes, and I do, but it's also just putrid. I don't know. I can't even think of a kinder way. It's, the whole thing is just putrid. It smells. It's foul. Uh, Dr. Everett Piper was our guest, and I love talking to him. And by the way, his books are Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good, and Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth. You can find his work at 
DrEverettPiper.com. Also, he's running for commissioner in Osage County, Oklahoma, and that primary runoff is coming up August the 23rd. So those of you in Oklahoma need to know that. Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk. You've got Christians who love Jesus and they have kids and they're just like, I just don't know what my calling is. Right. Will and Mickey Addison. What is it that Jesus wants me to do? I feel like I'm a teacher. And that's why why when you (laughs) go to the scripture and talk about equipping the saints for work of ministry, you should look inside first. It can mean right, you know, at your address. Marriage, family, and the church. That's the focus of airing the Addisons. Weekday afternoons at 2 Central on American Family Radio. The AFA Resource Center has all your favorite items. Everything from books, movies, shirts, and even hats. Introducing AFA's polyester and twill hats, starting at just $18. Whether you're into fashion, a collector, or you're just having a bad hair day, these hats are just what you need. You can buy one for yourself or a friend. Purchase your AFA hat today at resources.afa.net. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The sole abortion facility in Mississippi that challenged the law that ultimately led to Roe v. Wade's demise has permanently closed, and the building has now been sold. The building, known as the Pink House, will never reopen. As a result, the state of Mississippi has no murder mills operating in it. Sidewalk counselors, street evangelists, pastors, and many others who fought fought tirelessly for the most vulnerable among us, the unborn, have prayed, worked, and cried to see this day come. Thanks be to God, that day is here. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Telling Bibleists, persecuted believers, no, that's one of the hardest things we do at Bible League. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth, and I want to give you an update on our campaign, Stand With Them. You know, Paul wrote, the persecuted, they may be persecuted, but they're not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. You know, for weeks we've been telling you about Christians who are praying for Bibles in order to endure and persevere. Ahmad is in Malaysia. He's a civil engineer, was beaten. When he came to Christ, he's praying for a Bible. Adesh is in Nepal. He's a tour guide near the Himalayan mountains. He was beaten, but he's praying for a Bible in the Nepalese language. And then Einar is in Zimbabwe. She's a widowed mother of three. Her husband was killed by the Boko Haram regime. She's not praying for an end to her suffering. She's praying for a Bible. We're in the final few days of this effort to send God's word to 16,000 Bibleless persecuted believers. We're short of this goal and we need to wrap up in the coming days. So at $5 a Bible, $100 since 20, will you call 800-YES-WORD? 800-YES-WORD. Or give at sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. A new McLaughlin poll commissioned by our Committee on the Present Danger of China has several impressive and potentially politically consequential findings. First, 60% of those sampled agreed that the Chinese Communist Party deliberately unleashed the COVID-19 virus on the world. Second, 60% also agreed that the CCP should be held accountable for the deaths of roughly one million Americans, the immense economic damage, and the loss of personal freedoms caused by the pandemic. 
And third, roughly 70% said they or their family had been negatively affected by the pandemic. What makes these data remarkable and actionable is that for the better part of three years, virtually every media and governmental instrument available has relentlessly disinformed, discouraged, and outright canceled such sentiments. Finally, 76% said that a candidate's position on China would be important or a consideration in their vote. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. The current educational system is so sick that school prayer is banned. You can't teach the Bible, but you can teach children that America is evil and that men can get pregnant. A man can get pregnant, can't even talk about the Bible. You would not trust these people to babysit your children for 20 minutes. And why should we then let them educate millions of American students six hours a day, year after year after year? All right, that was President Trump. He was speaking. That excerpt was from over the weekend in Tampa. Turning Point USA had their um, their their conference for for the kids. Our turning point, they're older kids now, but they're mature. Charlie Kirk is not a kid anymore, but he was a kid when he founded it. It's a powerful organization. Charlie's very smart and capable, and President Trump is, uh, always loves to speak for them. So that's what he had to say. It was nice to hear those words, wasn't it? And I find, you know, uh, you will not hear what President Trump is actually saying because you always hear it edited. Remember that Fox hates him, all the networks hate him. And they will play clips that show him in the very worst light. And so if you really want to hear what he has to say, that's why those, those rallies were so pop, uh, powerful when he was running for president, because you could hear unfiltered what he had to say. And it won over millions of people, I think probably 75 million at least, um, it won them over. And so now you're only hearing it through third party, uh, carefully crafted bits of things that he, that he says. And you're also hearing him through the the grid of the J6 committee. I, I will, I was, I, there are other things I want to tell you, but I will just stop to tell you this. I talked to my sister yesterday who is not very, not terribly political. She pays some attention, but she, you know, she has other things. And so uh, she has had a hairdresser for the last uh, several years that she's gone to. They, you know, how you become a friend with your hairdresser, you talk about things. Uh, she knows that her hairdresser hates Trump, and her hairdresser knows that my sister voted for Trump. Uh, even though I'd say she's not an avid supporter, she just voted for him. Uh, but their discussions, according to my sister, have not been political. They're just surface. They talk about other things. But when my sister went to get her hair done uh, last Friday, after uh, the final uh, hearing, the J6 hearing, her hairdresser was sort of tense. And um, my sister asked her if she was okay, and she said she had watched the J6 hearing uh, last night, and she was just just so furious. And my sister, she asked my sister, she had been watching it and she said, no, not really. I, you know, I just feel like I, you know, I'm not, I'm not into that. I'm not watching it. So the, that, whereupon her hairdresser launched into a tirade, an angry, long tirade. Uh, several times my sister asked her, are you talking to me? Are you, are you, it was like a tirade that she was talking about how uh, Donald Trump is a fascist, and he's still there. We, he's still out there. We have to stop him. And she's watched all of this, absorbed the whole thing, believing everything, and she is out of her mind with anger and rage. 
So much so that my sister was actually a little frightened because she had a scissors and she was like waving them around and she's getting ready to cut my sister's hair. I know that sounds silly, but not really. And she never had that with this hairstylist ever before. They were friends. And so it made me realize I sort of poo-pooed these hearings. I haven't. I've taken them seriously, but I have not watched them faithfully because I'm so disgusted by them. And I, I always think, you know, people will see through this. But people are not seeing through it. They're not seeing through it. They are being persuaded. They're being propagandized, just as, as I said, Goebbels of the of the Nazi regime was a master propagandist, uh, and they p- whipped people into a frenzy, such a frenzy that they were they were shouting Heil Hitler and willing to kill Jews and other people that didn't uh, that weren't acceptable in the Nazi regime. And this is what I see happening. I think it's very dangerous, and that's why I want to say to you once again. Uh, you, it would be a good thing if you would go to Epoch Times, E-P-O-C-H, E-P-O-C-H Times, and watch The Real Story of January 6th. It's a documentary. It's called The Real Story of January 6th. They're making it available free, I think. I do think you have to subscribe to, I don't know if you do have to watch that or not. Uh, I think not. Uh, in order to be to get Epoch Times reports, you do have to, but it's very minimal cost, and, and it's, it's, it's true news. I mean, it really is the truth. Um, the truth is what comports with reality, and that's how I measure it. I can't know everything, but I do know a lot of things with a lot of sources. And uh, the Epoch Times is a very trustworthy source, and this documentary is powerful, and it will hopefully, God willing, counter the lies uh, that have been spewed for night after night after night. Uh, on the you know what do they call it yesterday? That montage I played for you of uh, anchors. This the um, Season series of, you know, the J6 hearings. Yeah, well, there was a season finale last Thursday night. That's what they kept saying, so many of them. Like it was a game of some sort, entertainment, but uh, you know, extravaganza, which is what it was. That really is what they did. They hired a producer who's an expert at putting together, you know, television specials, and he scripted everything, the narrative. They edited out people's, any kind of uh, conversations. Like, I'll give you an example. If you don't believe me, I know this for a fact, and you can read this from other sources. Two Secret Service agents volunteered to come and testify before the committee that what Cassidy Hutchinson said about President Trump trying to grab the wheel of his car was a lie. They were the one in the one was driving the car, but the the committee never called them. Never called them. They took Cassidy Hutchinson's view, who wasn't even there. It, she said she was told. What happened by one of the one of the Secret Service agents? That was her. That was her, that was the big splash at the hearing. You see, do you see how they're twisting things? Reminds me of the trial that uh, where they convicted Jesus. They found a couple of people who would say that his disciples came and took the body, body away. They ta- they saw them. They saw it more than one of them. Oh yes, I saw it. It really is. It really is that. <laughs> you know, people don't really change. Human nature doesn't change. Uh, I always find that Satan is pretty boring. Uh, unlike the God that we serve, who is so incredibly, uh, infinitesimally creative in the way he does things in his creation itself, but the way he works in people's lives, he's never in a set pattern, never, 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 while Satan uses the same things over and over and over again. You can always see his hand if you look hard enough. All right, so now to something practical, because this is important. Uh, Ron Johnson was on, uh, I don't know who he was on with last night. I think it was oh, uh, Sean Hannity. And I want you to hear just what he has to say about what's going on at the FBI. Then I'll tell you what he's talking about. Clip three. 
We have highly partisan political actors inside these federal agencies, and that's why we need to get to the bottom of this. This is why we need more whistleblowers coming forward, patriots that uh, actually appreciate their agencies, want to see credibility and integrity restored to them. The only way we're going to restore that credibility, because I don't trust Christopher Wray, remember under his, his leadership, the FBI uh, briefed the Senate Intel Committee in March of 2018 that the Steele dossier had integrity, even though the FBI knew it was Russian disinformation. He's the one who was there while this operation was apparently set up. He's the one that uh, potentially directed the f briefing to Senator Grassley and I that, were, that was then leaked and then used to smear us. So, no, I yeah. don't trust him, but he's the one we've got to call on to answer some questions. All right, Senator Ron Johnson, by the way, I just read that he's doing very well in his race uh, in Wisconsin. We just had him on last week. Uh, so, But here, I want him to, rather than me, yap. I'll let him tell you the story. Here's the actual story he was referring to. This is clip two. Let me first thank the whistleblowers uh, for coming forward. We need a lot more whistleblowers inside the FBI, Department of Justice, the federal health agencies. If we're going to restore credibility to these agencies, we need to know the truth. And that's going to require whistleblowers. But, you know, unfortunately, Sean, I don't find this revelation shocking. It's outrageous. Uh, but, uh, you know, th there's so many things that were suspicious. You know, for example, Senator Grassley and I both received briefings we didn't request uh, from the FBI. They were later leaked to The Washington Post uh, to smear us and discredit our our uh, investigation. Uh, I'll never forget Peter Strzok's uh, text to Lisa Page said that uh, our sisters are, are leaking like mad, feeling scorned, worried and political. They're kicking into overdrive. Uh, now, now we're finding out from these whistleblowers that the FBI actually had, you know, I don't know what you would call it, but individuals uh, specifically taking derogatory information about, against Hunter Biden, downgrading it to end the investigations. Were they, were they responsible talking to their intelligence sisters of the 51 intelligence officials that came forward? and engaged in their own information operation when they said that Hunter, Hunter Biden's laptop uh, had all the earmarks of a Russian information operation. Uh, this is dirty. This is corrupt. We need answers. And Christopher Wray, uh, uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland, these people have to come clean but and what, tell us what we know. We... Uh, we, this may need, we may need a special right. counsel on this one. Okay, we're, we need to talk about this more, and we will tomorrow. Perhaps you've heard about it in the news. There is a whistleblower. We're finding out all kinds of more malfeasance at the FBI, and you can hear Senator Johnson is plenty mad. We'll be back tomorrow. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.